And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back, and it's good to be back. I have a special guest this week, and his name is Nicholas St. Pierre. Nicholas is from the Great White North up in Canada. He's in Ottawa, Canada. He is a diplomat, so he's traveled around the world. He works for, obviously, the Canadian government. And he's done some very interesting things as a uh, world traveler. He, he gets to shoot in lots of interesting places. And I know we're going to talk about that. So, Nicholas, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Bob, for uh, having me on your podcast. It is a, a real pleasure. Yeah, it's good to have you. I've been looking very closely at your work. Uh, Nicholas was actually recommended by Mike Snyder, who we featured in the magazine a couple of years ago. And he's written a couple articles for us. Um, Mike also does uh, does some teaching through the uh, social, social documentary network. Mike also lives about 10 miles from me, which is kind of an interesting thing. So uh, Nicholas was, you took a course from him, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. I and took, uh, did a project and Mike, Mike loved the project so much. He sent it over to us and we are publishing it in the February issue of street photography magazine. So when you listen to this, you'll, be able to open up the magazine and take a look at Nicholas's project if you haven't done it already. So, but before we talk about that, Nicholas, why don't you just tell us about yourself and also how you got into street and documentary photography? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, as, as you said uh, during your introduction, I'm a photographer. I'm currently based in uh, Canada's capital, Ottawa. Uh, and for the last 30 years, uh, photography has been a, a very important part of my life. Uh, but contrary to many photographers I read about, I did not get exposed uh, to photography as a child. Um, my father had a Minolta, ca- a Minolta camera, uh, but I have no clear recollection of him taking any photographs. And actually, I have very few photographs of me uh, growing up. I was born and grew up in a small city, uh, which is located some 60 miles northeast of Montreal along the St. Lawrence River uh, in the province of Quebec. Um, As a child, I was an avid reader and uh, soon developed a great curiosity for the outside world and a strong desire to explore it. At the age of 12, I thus asked my parents to send me to Montreal to attend a boarding school as a way of challenging myself. My mother uh, was always uh, very eager to broaden my perspectives through new experiences, and so she readily agreed to to my request. It is also under her encouragement that I made my first trip overseas when I was 15. Um, I went to Germany uh, to spend a full month living with the host family and trying to learn German, which I, I never really did. Um, But this experience really ignited my passion uh, for travel. And in the years that followed, as a a teenager and a young adult, I traveled to several places, uh, India, Italy, Colombia, China, and I started learning different languages, uh, notably Italian, Spanish, and Mandarin Chinese. From a rather young age, I realized that uh, constantly pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and although this can be very tough at times, 
was really the only way for, for me to grow. And this realization, along with uh, my curiosity for the world, came to define me, I think, first as an individual and later as a, photo a photographer. So after having studied um, at university, I did the Asian history, philosophy, and law. Um, I worked uh, for a very short period of time in a private law firm, um, but then I left that farewell paid job uh, to take an intern position as a reporter in one of Montreal's um, French newspapers. So again, like I felt like I, I wanted to change things and challenge myself. Uh, but then eventually in 2006, after working um, for a year as a journalist, I joined the Canadian Foreign Service and I've been working uh, with the Foreign Service for um, 15 years now. Um, and this is why I, I'm currently based in Ottawa, uh, but I've been based on and off um, here for the last 15 years, really. So what about your photography life? Well, uh, my interest for street, well, for photography and street photography, um, as I said, goes back to uh, a long time, actually to my teenage years. And it's really closely intertwined with my passion for travel. Uh, when I was 17 years old, I spent a year in Italy, in Naples, as an exchange student living in a local, a local family. And a few months into my stay there, the compact point-and-shoot camera that I had brought with me uh, just let me down. Um, so I was happy and lucky enough to receive for Christmas from my host family um, an old Zenith SLR camera, which was made in the Soviet Union along with a few lenses um, as an amazing camera, uh, like really like so heavy, felt like a tank. Uh, but this was my, I don't think it was by any standard a, a great camera, but it, uh, it was my first contact with analog photography. Um, and that's where I realized that you had creative control over the camera. Um, in the months that followed, I traveled to Venice uh, and then I started using the camera to make my first street or canal <laughs> photography, should I say. Uh, so when I returned to Canada, again, as I, when I was 18, I bought myself a, a more advanced SLR camera, and uh, which I took subsequently on all of my travels around the world. Um, but at the time, photography was mostly associated with, with travel, and I seldom made photos when I was at home. Uh, what was the game, the real game changer for me was the birth of my eldest daughter in 2003. Um, like many proud dads, uh, what I did at the time is that I bought my first digital camera. And uh, from that point on, I could basically go everywhere uh, with my camera and take photographs at the park uh, or whenever I went on, on walks in the streets of Montreal. And, uh, well, when I joined the Canadian Foreign Service in, in 2006, um, I uh, it was eventually posted to China in 2008. Um, and I spent three years uh, there in Beijing, uh, but I also took the opportunity to travel elsewhere in Asia with my family. And now my interest with street photography really, really grew, grew during that time. And since since then, like it never it never ceased growing, and I actually eventually started traveling abroad just for the sake of doing street photography or taking photo workshops. So I 
Like that way I visited places such as Xinjiang in Western China, Cuba, India, Myanmar, Turkey, just to, to name a few. And uh, street photography has also kept me very busy during the four years that I recently spent uh, living in Tokyo, uh, which, as you can imagine, is a city bustling with with people and activity. Yeah, what an opportunity! It's funny you say so you're in Beijing. My 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 daughter lived there for four years. Not really. You 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 must have overlapped. Yeah, possible. And, yeah, she she uh, actually worked for uh, Xinhua. Okay. Oh yeah, as a, yeah. a news agency. Yeah, yep. Yeah. She lived at the Friendship Hotel for a while. You, you, I'm going to say this wrong. I'm going to butcher it, and you can tell me how to say it right. The Yoyi Bingguan. Yeah, yeah. That, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Well, every time yeah. we get in the cab, and I, and that's the only word I could speak in Mandarin is Yoyi Bingguan, and they always go, I didn't get the tonality right, and they keep questioning me. Yoyi Bingguan. <laughs> yeah, no offense the to the Chinese right. out there, but your language yeah. is hard. Yeah, maybe not to you. Yeah, yeah, and getting the tones right in in Mandarin Chinese is very important. Lest you can say things that you didn't mean to say, so <laughs> have to be careful there. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it wasn't anything offensive. But it, it's quite a city, quite a city. Yeah, uh, yeah it, not many people have an opportunity like you to 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 live so long in places and really, um, you know, really get immersed in the culture. Yeah, you know, most of us just pass through and take some photos and move on to the next place. Yeah, well, I'm 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 really grateful for my job to to my job for for that, and it's actually one of the reasons why I I picked this as a career is that I wanted to have the the chance to like live not only travel abroad but live abroad for long periods of time and really get immersed in different cultures. So. Uh, to this day, I, I find this a, a very fascinating job for that precise reason. So now that you're back home, I mean, are you, do you get antsy to maybe take off and go stay in another country again for a while? Or are you better off just being back in Ottawa? Well, for the time being, obviously, with the, with the world uh, COVID pandemic, uh, oh, yeah. I'm pretty happy to be uh, to be in Canada where the situation isn't perfect, but it's not that bad either. I'd rather be here than than elsewhere. Um, but I must say that, for, from a, a photography perspective, uh, being back home is is a challenge because having uh, traveled extensively and uh, having had the chance to, to discover new places, being back in an environment which is so familiar makes it sometimes difficult to uh, to go about and and take photographs so i i've had to really try to find a, a new mindset and, and try to look uh, more closely at what's uh, what's in my own backyard um so yeah. i think with i think i i've succeeded to to a certain extent but uh but again it's uh it's a it's a daily challenge and i must say i don't take that many photographs when when i'm home or not as many photographs when i'm home than when i'm abroad yeah i hear that a lot and we all have to make adjustments um and i think you you made a really good one i mean you created what i think is a very interesting project called the longest road which is what is published in the magazine this month um 
with something very close to you. I mean, I, I think, especially those of us who like to travel a lot, we tend to ignore the things that are right under our, right under our nose. And uh, I think you did a really good job with this article. What, what can you tell us ab about the project? Yeah, well, first of all, let me thank you for, for publishing uh, that project in the latest online issue of, of your magazine. Um, it, it's a project, uh, so it's called The Longest Road, and it's a project that would probably never have seen the light of day if it wasn't for the pandemic. Um, obviously, I, I cannot be thankful for, for a disease that has taken so many lives. Uh, but at the same time, the fact remains that this, this period um, in which I was stuck at home really sparked my, my creativity. Um, it's, a, it's a project that I'd say is born out of the frustration and the disappointment that I felt at being grounded at home and being unable to pursue my, my dreams. Uh, in 2019, I had decided to take a one-year uh, sabbatical leave from my job and to devote it to photo projects at home and abroad. And I was secretly or not that secretly hoping that this could lead me to transition towards professional photography. Uh, but about a year ago, in March 2020, as you know, uh, the world really ground to halt and my aspirations were, were shattered along with those of millions of other people. So as a result of the travel restrictions that were imposed uh, in response to the pandemic, I was forced to unpack my suitcase and cancel several trips that I had planned for the spring and summer. Not necessarily abroad, like I, I had some plans, but I also plan on visiting other uh, like remote regions of Quebec, but even those regions were were shut down and I wasn't able to travel there. But I was still craving adventure. Um, so I decided to turn my lens towards my own backyard. Uh, I hopped in my car and I went looking for my kicks on what is Ottawa's longest road, uh, which is also known as Bank Street. Um, Bank Street spans some like 21 miles from Parliament Hill in downtown Ottawa to a small rural community called Vernon uh, to the south. And I was hoping that getting on the road would uh, help me shrug off the wonder loss that, that I felt. Um, so I, I started a journey where I started looking or chasing images that evoke some of my past and uh, some of my past travels, but also travels that I was dreaming of doing. Uh, while at the same time highlighting uh, the diversity of, of Bank Street. So it's a project that was shot uh, over a six-month period of time, uh, starting in the summer, and I completed it in, in the fall of 2020. Um, it mixes portraiture, landscape, street photography. Um, it, it's really like a, an intimate visual exploration of the people, the buildings, the landscape that make up uh, Ottawa's longest road. And it's really a metaphor for my persistent and still unfulfilled longing for, for travels and a change of scenery. So uh, it was a, a very interesting uh, project to make, and uh, I'm happy I, I could do it uh, so close to, to my house. Yeah, it's, it's funny you did that. We published, uh, we featured a photographer last year, Kevin Fletcher. He's up in Portland, Oregon. and 
you know, this was before, I'm trying to remember, it must be, well, he did his project before the pandemic, um, and it was on, uh, I think, the longest road in Portland. Hmm. Uh, similar, I mean, similar concept, I mean, completely different photography style. And, uh, you know, I thought that was very interesting when I saw it. And, and I thought maybe I should consider doing something like that close, close to where I live. And then, and then I saw your project, <laughs> you know, and nowadays we're basically stuck. We're so close to home that we need to find something like this to do. I mean, how did you pick this, this road of all things? I'm sure there's lots of streets and roads in Ottawa and that, that whole part of Canada. Yeah, you're right. But the, I think the, um, I, I remembered having read an article um, many years ago saying that it was actually one of the longest roads, not only in Ottawa, but I think in, in all of Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Because once it, it gets out of the city limits, it goes down all the way down to the, um, the St. Lawrence River and actually to the, uh, the U.S. border. Uh, so it's, it's it's much longer than the 21 miles that um, I photographed, but I wanted to um, thematically limit it to to the city of Ottawa. Um, it, and it's also like Ottawa is is it's not a huge city; like it has about like one million inhabitants, um, and there isn't much action. Like it's it's a sleepy. Uh, government town uh but bank street is maybe the street where there's the most happening uh at any time uh, nothing compared to to tokyo or or, or beijing but um <laughs> if if you want to do street photography uh that seems like the uh, the obvious place to to start uh obviously while doing the project i realized that because it's so long like it, Aside from the downtown area where you see all the shops and the people on the street, um, you go down south, then it's, it's a very rural area with, uh, with farms. And uh, so it, doing street photography in the countryside is also a, something which I found <laughs> quite interesting. Yeah, that becomes road photography, I think. Yeah, yeah, more, more than street photography. You're right. Yeah. So... You know, you've lived in Ottawa for a while, so you've probably been on Bank Street many times. And it, how do you how do you shift gears in your mind to look at something you've seen so much with fresh eyes? It's it's a challenge uh, for sure. Um, maybe one of the advantages that I have is still that. Uh, Okay, I've been living in Ottawa on and off for 15 years, but I'm not originally from Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, and although, like, it's it's part of Canada, I grew up in the French-speaking part of Canada. Ottawa is more anglophone, so there are some differences that make me. Um, well, I wouldn't say that I'm not at home here, but it's uh, it, it feels a little bit different. So that that helps a lot. Um, but compositionally, I also had to to think of uh, of ways of bringing it to a to a different level. So if you look at my project, um, I shot a lot of reflections uh, for mm-hmm. for this project uh, through windows, through um, puddles of water, um, 
and also because I, I wanted the, the work to be, because it's, a, it, it's a street photography, it's part documentary photography, but it, I find it's also a very personal project. Like it was really about myself and I thought that um, by shooting reflections, uh, I could convey that um, uh, in a most efficient way. Uh, there's the former curator of uh, the uh, Museum of Modern Art in, in New York, John, uh, John Tarkovsky, that said uh, that photography can be either a mirror or um, a window, can be a mirror that is a reflection of uh, the way uh, photographer sees himself or it can be just a window through which he looks at the outside world and shows the outside world to, to the people that look at his photographs and I feel that over time my, my photography style has, has really oscillated between the two like it's, it's a little bit of a window but it's also a lot about um, mirrors um, so, which is why I, I decided to shoot the project like, like I did yeah, I noticed this project, as well as several of the other ones, uh, is shot in, in black and white. What caused you to make that choice? Very good question. And I think you're right. It, 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 it is a choice. Um, I've uh, over, uh, well, my, my career, if I dare say, as a, as a photographer, I've had instructors who told me that um, black and white is outdated and that I should choose huh. between color or black and white, uh, but that I can, cannot do both. And to me, it's really just a stylistic choice that you make based on, um, on, on well, in my case, it's a stylistic choice that I made based on, on the mood I'm in. Um, because... Um, the, the Longest Road project was born out of this disappointment that I felt at not being able to travel. I wanted the project to have a sense of nostalgia uh, to it. And mm. I thought that uh, shooting it in, in black and white and having like a film rebate uh, over it um, would convey better that sense. Uh, that 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 mood in which I was. It's the same thing for um, another project that I shot while I was living in Japan, uh, and which I called uh, "Where Have the Birds Gone?" Um, having having landed in Japan in 2015, uh, I felt that I was living in in a strange land, uh, even though I had spent like two years learning the language before and acquainting myself with the culture. I felt that. I did not totally feel at home in in Japan, and um, and so I, I started shooting that project um, in black and white because I, I felt that this conveyed uh, the mood in which I, I was. But whenever I go abroad, like uh, in like when I travel in Asia, in India, in very colorful countries, finding a good mood, then like I go for color. So it's it's really. Uh, um, a choice that I make based on, on the project that I'm shooting. So are you shooting in color and then converting? Or uh, I know you we haven't gotten into this, but you're fu shooting Fuji, so you could be shooting in Acros and leave it at that. 
Yeah, I could do that. Uh, you're right. I, I've, I shoot uh, with Fujifilm cameras. I've been uh, doing that for the last six years. I prefer shooting in, in color because um, I find that uh, when it comes to editing, um, mm -hmm. uh, converting from color to black and white gives me greater latitude yeah. uh, than uh, shooting directly in black and white. Also because I, I shoot uh, all of my photographs in RAW. So um, it doesn't really make a difference at the end yeah. of the day. And, and sometimes you realize that like some pictures don't work as well in, in black and white. So, um, in, in the initial stages of, uh, of a project, it might be that I haven't decided yet whether I'll go for color or black and white. And, uh, then I play at, at the time of editing and then I make a, a decision. So in this case, did, did you know from the beginning you were going to do it all in black and white or? That's that's a decision you made as you started a process and, and decide what you're going to do with this. Yeah, in that case, I knew I was going for black and white because um, I already had uh, pretty much a clear idea of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do with with that project. And and this is something that has changed for me over over time because when when I started as a photographer. Um, I was mostly chasing like beautiful images or like single mm -hmm. images that were not connected to, to each other. And it's really only maybe in the five, in the last five to six years that I started thinking in terms of, of projects. And, um, one thing that I've started doing is, is writing about what I have in mind, like trying to, to write a pitch for the project even before starting it based on the ideas that I, that I have. And I find that this helps defining uh, the project and helps me focus when I go on the street um, to know what I'm, to, to have a clearer sense of what I'm looking for. Yeah, how does that work? Um, w uh, sorry, well, like, what, what do you mean? How does that? No, you, you say you, you, you like write a pitch. I mean, how, how does that? work for you i mean how do you do it and and what does it do for you yeah well typically uh, they they won't be long and and, mm -hmm. and these are like little texts that i will uh, refine over time um because when i post that like you might have if you had a look at my website you might mm -hmm. have seen that like for almost all of my projects i have like a few paragraph long description of what the yeah. project is about i like um, that yeah. And, and yeah, for me, writing uh, about this thing helps me. Like, it's almost like creating a, um, a shot list of what I want to achieve or what are some of the emotions that I want to convey. Obviously, once you're on the street, uh, you never know what you're going to get. So, like you, there have been days where you walk around and you take photographs and say, okay, well, this one I've done like several times in my project and maybe it's time to find something else but sometimes you're lucky and things happen and then you say okay yeah great like this is something this is this perfectly conveys the emotion that i wanted to convey and um but having that list uh, like in mind when you go out i find is is very helpful um but it's it, kind of hard to explain but it, but you have uh yeah you have a better sense of what what you're after when you've taken the time to 
to write something about the project. So you tell the story first and then find the photos to convey that, if, if I'm correct. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and, yeah. and I, as I mentioned at the beginning of, uh, of this interview, um, I worked for a short period of time as a journalist. And mm -hmm. so what I will typically do is do also like some, some research um, to start with, but like about just the facts. Like if you take the longest road, well, I, I research a little bit about the history of the road, like how long it is, like based, what, what I did for that project, for instance, is um, I went on um, uh, Google Street View, on Google Map and Google Street View, and I spent a few hours uh, looking at the map and trying to find um, restaurants or shops or things that had like foreign names or that reminded me of, of, uh, of travels I'd made or travels I wanted to do. And I just like put pinpoints on those. So when I went out and started shooting, I, um, I had a list of places I wanted to check. Um, not all of those turned out to be interesting. Uh, and my project evolved a little bit over time. So it's not only about uh, those exotic locations uh, in town uh, but again like that like all the the research that I did ahead of the project helped me tackle it as opposed to just driving for hours without <laughs> having a sense of where I wanted to go yes I hear so many people that have a project in mind at the beginning and then when they get into it 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 tends to to change based on what they really learn about the place that they're photographing. It sounds like that happened to you too. Oh yeah. That, that and that, that happens to me all the time when, uh, when I work on, on projects and, um, uh, this is something I've learned from, uh, the course I took, uh, on uh, documentary photography with Michael Snyder last fall is that, uh, sometimes you, you start with an idea and uh, evolves over time or you realize that it wasn't that great an idea to start with and you just abandon it at some point. Like he was telling me at a, any single time, like he might have 15 or 20 projects he's working on and like yeah. various ideas that he has. I don't have that many. I wish, I wish I had that many because that would keep me busy. But let's say I have, I keep a list of projects that I would like to work on uh, if I had uh, a lot of time and I revisit that list on a regular basis and, um, and sometimes I, I pick from it and say, okay, well, maybe that one I, I could start. So I have some that are more like long-term uh, projects, others are, are short-term. The longest road when I started, I had no idea how long uh, it would take me to, to complete it. Um, and I thought, well, maybe it's something that will go well into the winter and maybe one year, two years. But at some point, the excitement just went away. Like in the first few weeks I was working on, on that project, like I was so happy to hit the road and take those photographs. And at some point I thought, well, okay, now I've seen it and maybe it's the time to start something else. So the project tells you in a sense when, when it's time to move on. Um, but it's always good to have a list of, uh, of projects so uh, you have something to look forward to. Yeah, I read a book once took place in Japan, and there was, a, there was a character in the book. He was actually like a bodyguard, but he was also a painter. Hmm. And 
he would make these very detailed paintings and then would finally finish them. And, and one of the other characters said, well, how do you know when you're finished? And he said, well, I don't. I just abandon it. Hmm. I thought that that's an interesting, interesting yeah. perspective. Yeah, I think it's it sums it up because, like, you know instinctively that okay, this this project has has, has nothing um, to give any uh, anymore, and and you need the excitement. Like, you need to have like some point. If you don't feel excited about a project anymore, well, you need to find one that will excite you and that will get you out of the house. Like it's now at like nowadays in Canada, it's like minus uh, well like in celsius like it's minus 20 i don't know so that's about maybe like zero fahrenheit degrees and uh so you, you need some excitement or you like if you want to go out in 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 that temperature you need to have something that stimulates you yeah that's cold <laughs> that is <laughs> i remember that do you mm. i remember yeah i used to live you know used to live on lake erie so <laughs> oh yeah not, it gets colder in Ottawa, but it's, you know, yeah. Yeah, we, we have a cold day today. I think it's uh, just about freezing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's cold, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. No. People in the South are babies when it comes to cold. <laughs> yeah, last week we had snow on Sunday. By Sunday evening, it was cleared off. I think we got four inches. Okay. And then... Uh, Monday, schools were closed on Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, schools yeah. basically closed. I don't know how you, I don't know how you close schools that are virtual, but <laughs> yeah, they, do they don't right. anymore. Huh? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. So wait a minute. You should keep working. The kids aren't going anywhere. They're staying at home, and you and you teach them at home. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting off track. <laughs> um, well, so your longest road project, uh, I believe, you turned into a book. You're self-publishing a book. Yes, actually. Um, well, thank you for, for mentioning that. Yeah. Um, this is something that I've worked on um, in, the, in the last uh, two months. Uh, once I, uh, I, I realized that this project was, was finished, I thought it would be interesting to um, try to uh, edit um, the best or the most interesting pictures out of it and try to sequence them. Because I find... Like, Doing photography and um, editing your photograph is one skill, but being able to sequence your photos is another one. And yeah, it's a it's a, it's a skill that I've been trying to develop for the last uh, two years. So I've taken workshops uh, to try help me out with that. I have a very good friend, um, Emily. Um, that helps me in that regard. She she lives abroad, but we do sessions on. Uh, uh, over uh, Messenger or WhatsApp, and uh, we we looked at um, at uh, those those like sequences, not only of of my own work or her work, but also at like photo books, uh, and try to see okay what's tying the photographs together. So I wanted to do that exercise for uh, my uh, my project, and I uh, recently uh, completed. So it's more like a zine that has uh, 46 or so images in it um, uh, with a short text. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm glad it's available on uh, on Blurb, uh, either in the US or elsewhere. So if you go on, on Blurb and just uh, Google my name, Nicolas St-Pierre, or The Longest Road, 
um, you shouldn't have any issue finding it. So how do you sequence your photos? Do you actually print them and lay them out on the floor and, or are you doing it on the computer screen? Yeah. How do you I, make a decision on You talked about, you know, how do they connect together? I mean, what are you looking for to find the connection? Or is it all yeah. intuitive? It's, it's a very interesting question. I don't think, uh, there, well, there's no easy answer to that. Um, what I've done in the past, uh, with the projects I was working on is that I would make some working prints, uh, like just four by six inches mm -hmm. or even smaller, of uh, a wider selection. So let's say you want to end up with, I don't know, 40 to 50 photographs. You print 150 uh, or so if you, if you have that many. And then what I do is that I'll start looking at them and making pairs. Uh, pairs of photographs that I feel work well together because compositionally there's something like there's one element that ties them together, uh, like shapes or like subject matter is related. Um, so that's that's what I do first. And um, I although I did not do I did not follow exactly that method for the longest road, but um, for other projects. Like I would, I would just like put the photographs on the wall, um, and and live with them for a while, and then start moving around my pairs mm. of images, and see, okay, like that, does that flow? Like if I if I put that pair next to that one, so it could be when it's a color uh, color project, well, that like do the colors work well together? Um, and so I build a sequence with that and like that, and then eventually I go back to my computer, resequence it, and then start consulting uh, trusted friends to see what mm -hmm. what they think. Um, the longest road I did, um, I had some prints, uh, but I did more of it on on my computer. Uh, but that was just because of the circumstances in which we were, where like it was. In, wasn't as easy to go and make have prints done like with the pandemic, and so I, I did mostly on the computer. Uh, but it's a it's a challenging, interesting exercise to be to be uh, looking at the, at sequences. And 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 the other thing I would say is that it's it's like creating music in a sense. Is that like there needs to be a certain rhythm? Like sometimes, if you look at my longest road project. Um, uh, so 46 images, like I could have sequenced them in a linear way, like geographically from like downtown Ottawa to uh, the south, like the small community of Vernon. But I think that would have been boring. So uh, instead, like I, I made pairs of where there are like where you see contrast between like rural scenes, urban scenes. And once in a while, like if you have a very strong image, then you need like some some, some a break or you need a pause so you can like have a little bit less strong images uh, but you have to create a rhythm so that's that's the way I see it but it's not a science like you can mm -hmm. and and have I succeeded in creating the best sequence out of this book I don't know like anybody would look at that and take the same photographs and could rearrange them in a in a different way but uh, I think the, the way I found works for me and expresses what I wanted to to express so. what about working with blurb itself uh, did you use their 
their application or do you use the interface? And I see that there's an interface built into Lightroom um, that connects with them directly. But of course, then they have the standalone application. Yeah, I know. I know of the uh, of the uh, Lightroom uh, built-in application to to create uh, blurb books, uh, but I haven't. I, maybe I've been too lazy. I haven't really used it or learned how to use it. Um, it looks pretty so, clunky, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that the um, well, and blurb is not perfect by by any means. Uh, but but it worked for me, so I downloaded their uh, their their app, like mm-hmm. Bookrise, I believe it's called, and um, and I've used that to to sequence uh, and to create the template for my book. Uh, but again, like this is this is something that I'm still learning. The the first zine that I made. Um, or that I tried to make seriously, I must say, because I had done like photo books for my kids before, and uh, uh, but when I tried to do something serious out of my work, the first time I, I, I did a book was last year and I submitted it for a local uh, photo book uh, contest. And the, um, one of my instructors who saw that after that said, well, you know, like, photographs were great. And if it was only for the photographs, maybe you could have won the prize, but, or the contest, but like you didn't, like, I did not know what a book felt or needed to look like in terms of having like the, the full title, the half title and all those pages that come at mm-hmm. the beginning, at the end. And they said, well, the, you didn't choose the right typeface. It doesn't match your style. It has to be smaller. So after that, I said, okay, I, I need to learn a little bit more about book design myself and uh, try to, um, to improve. So I created an, another book dummy, dummy out of, uh, of the work uh, that I had. And um, is it perfect? Uh, I'm sure it's not, uh, but uh, I I feel that I've I've improved at least um, a lot in in the way I, I present my work. Um, and blurb is is convenient because then, like once you're done, you it's easy to to have your book uh, self published. Whereas if you want to have something like um, made with a with a real publisher or uh, well, you have to find it, and once you like, you you have it. So you need to go with like hundreds of copies. Whereas with blurb, like you can print it on demand. So that's uh, that's yeah. an obvious advantage because there's there's no financial risk for the creator. Where, where did you turn to to learn more about uh, book publishing? You said you you actually had to learn about it after the first try. Yeah, well, I took, uh, so there, there's one class uh, that I took. Uh, we have um, a local photogra- photography school here in Ottawa that's called the School of Photographic Arts of Ottawa, uh, which teaches a lot of, um, well, it ha- they have a full-time diploma program, but they also have part-time classes. And I took a class there um, uh, called Master Class from Capture to Print, where uh, you like you go through all the phases of developing a project. And that's actually hmm. during that course that I started the longest road and I completed it while doing the, the, the workshop with uh, Michael O. Snyder. Um, so through that course, I, I, I learned a lot. And then I, I looked a little bit online. Um, I spend, well, I, I, 
look uh, like I spend a lot of time myself with uh, with photo books. Uh, I have a growing collection of maybe hundred titles of photo books now, and um, I subscribe to um, a service or. Uh, Guess we can call it a service called the Charcoal Photo Club, a book club, mm-hmm. Charcoal yeah, Book Club. Yeah, about that. Where yeah. they send you every month uh, a new uh, photo book uh, signed by its author, and um, it's a curated collection of books. So I, I find it's it's a great resource uh, because like it, it really allowed me to discover photographers I did not know about and. And then once you once you know what to look for, then you take these books and then you start looking at them and dissecting them and say, okay, why are they built in in such a way? Like, how's the the cover page? How's the so a lot of trial and error, but um, and they're also good resources online, um, either for free or uh, like if you go to a platform such as Creative Live, uh, they have uh, they, they have courses. Um, on how to make, uh, how to design books. So I, I've watched uh, things here and there, and but as I said, like this is something I, I'm still learning. But uh, that's it's a, it's a great project, especially in this time where we can't go out of the house too much. So uh, working on books is uh, is a good idea. Yeah, especially when it's uh, minus twenty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now that you're now that it's done, is is done as anything that's made electronically can be well, what would you do over again if you could with 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 that book in particular yeah with that one project um we won't talk about your whole life there it's yeah <laughs> well i don't know it's hard to say because i really completed the book uh just like Maybe three weeks ago, and then yeah. I ordered the first um, the, the first copy, uh, which I thought, okay, this this is a book dummy, uh, and I realized that I had made like one typo, and <laughs> I was really unhappy about it because like printing large size and on blurb is is quite expensive, and then I looked at that typo and I said, no, I should have proofread it one more time before ordering yeah. it, but that's part of the process. So. Um, so I really uh, like the, the the last version of my book is actually in the mail right now, and I'm hoping to receive it by the end of the week. Um, the Zine edition is is already available on Blurb. So it's a tough question because I haven't lived long enough with with mm-hmm. the book, and and I have no pretension of like becoming world famous with with that book. Like I, I'm hoping that uh, that people will. Um, will have seen my work on on your magazine or online will be will have the curiosity of going uh checking it out and and maybe ordering it uh but um uh, but again i see that more 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 as part of my evolution as a photographer and a creator so maybe my my books in 20 years from now will be much nicer than they are now i don't know <laughs> i'm just <laughs> hoping that i'll get better well nicholas I tell you, before we go, I have to ask you about one other project. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before we started, and that's the um, the Hershey Electric Train, mm-hmm. which I love what you did. And what can you tell us? Uh, tell us about it a little how how it came to be. You shot it obviously in Cuba. 
Yes. Well, it, it was a very fun project to shoot. And I think this was really my first, um, my first photography project uh, where photographs were tied by by a cohesive team so in i've I've had the chance of traveling to cuba three times in the last 12 years or so last time was at the end of june 2015 and every time i went to cuba i i spent most of my time in in havana which is a a great city for street photography oh yeah bustling with activity people on the street, people are friendly. They want to be photographed. So, um, but I had heard about that uh, that train, um, which um, which has been in existence for like several several decades. It was actually built in 1917 by uh, American uh, Hershey Company, who wanted to shuttle workers and sugar between um, the, the the company's sugarcane refinery and the port of Havana. And uh, that train has been uh, nationalized when the revolution happened. And it hadn't been basically um, uh, upgraded ever since. So it's a very old train, only two carriages. And uh, what's interesting about it is that you, you, you go on it, you hop on it, and you know when it leaves, basically, but you don't know when it will arrive because the train is so old that sometimes it's like it breaks down along the road. Or um, and and because it's it's so cheap, like it's it's about what like one U.S. dollar maybe to uh, to to ride um, like the three hours on the train. It's it's filled with like workers, students, farmers that carry their their animals, and so I just went there with the with a friend, and we said, okay, let's uh, let's do uh, let's do a ride and come back to Havana. And uh, so I spent uh, a day on that train, taking photographs and chatting with people, and uh, and that project was born. I wish I could go back because. What what you've seen on my website was basically shot within that that single day, and I'm sure I could do um, I could do much more if I had the opportunity to go back. But I haven't checked recently, but I heard last year that the train was now out of service. So I don't know if it has been um, it has resumed its service since then, but I'm not sure it has. So uh, it's a, it a fun project to shoot for sure. Well, any of us are lucky to get one great photograph in a month or six months, you got, I don't know how many, 10 excellent photos in one day. Thank you. And uh, this just grabbed me. You were so, you were working in a small space in this train, but you were just, your photos were, how do I describe it? I mean, it's, it's not like you're on the outside looking in. You're, Definitely on the inside. You've obviously connected with the people. Well, and um, you must have been shooting really wide. That's why I was asking you before we started if if you have the the Fuji fourteen millimeter, which I've fallen in love with, by the way. Um, so you're obviously shooting wide in there. I think. Yeah, I, I can't recall what I was using because uh, this was shot with my Fujifilm X-T1. And at that time, I think I had a single lens, which was like the 18 to 55 okay. millimeter lens. Yeah. Uh, it, you're right. It's a small space. 
but as a foreigner, like you, like, and I, I have like blondish hair, so you really stand out being like in in a in a two carriage train in Cuba with uh, all the locals. So either <laughs> either you connect or uh, or or you don't. But uh, it, it's it's hard not to because people are curious. They'll start asking questions, and because I I can speak a little bit Spanish, um, I was able to interact with them. So you're not a fly on the wall, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, but then they start finding it funny that that you're there and that you would be interested in photographing that that old train. So, um, so I was I had a, a lot of fun uh, during that ride. And um, but um, yeah. Well, I encourage if you're listening to this, I encourage you well definitely to go to Nicholas's website, and when you're there, look at the uh, the Hershey electric train article. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, this must have been shot in Pennsylvania. And then as soon as I opened it, I said, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, very, very well done. I like, I like what you did there. Thank you. So, Nicholas, um, like I said, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and sending the article in. Uh, the article is in our February issue. We're recording this on the 8th of February. Uh, by the time you hear this, the magazine will be published. We, we publish on the 15th of the month, every month. So I encourage you to look at it. So anything else you want to leave us with before we go? Not really. I just uh, want to uh, take this opportunity to uh, thank you once again for, uh, well, publishing my article and uh, having me um, participate in, uh, in your podcast. And I really look forward to um, uh, hearing all the other great guests that I'm sure you'll have in the, in the future. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I don't want to leave yet until you tell everybody where they can find you online. Uh, well, on my website, uh, yeah. so my um, website address is uh, Photo. That's N as in Nicholas, S-T-P-I-E-R-E.com. And I'm also on uh, Instagram uh, with the same hashtag, Photo. N-S-T-P-I-E-R-R-E, photo. And that's it. Well, thank you again. Maybe one day I'll be able to meet you in person. I hope so. I'm really looking forward to being able to travel again and visit you guys down south. (laughs) 